Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, good morning, George. I don't know how many podcasts we've done where the Giants are still in first place, still have the best record in Major League Baseball. It's it's been a while now that we've been saying that, but I I was getting a little nervous there that that was not going to be the case for this podcast. The Dodgers had won nine in a row. The Giants lost a couple of games in a row, which, you know, these days that seems like a lot because they played so well. So uh, it was really great to see them bounce back the way they did in back-to-back games against the A's, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great to see that. I mean, they they, they really have uh, set up this season with the, with the word resilient written all around San Francisco, and I think that's a really good adjective to describe this team. Uh, you can never really count them out. You know, they're down a few runs, and they come back and score. They're down one, they make it dramatic in the eighth and ninth. Uh, it's really fun to watch, and I think we've been talking about it the whole the whole season, really, and they've done such a good job with how well they've been playing, and, and to be able to hold that lockdown on, uh, first place in the NL West and being the best team in baseball for as long as they have been. Uh, but you can never really count the Dodgers out. They have such depth. They have such um, uh, propensity for, for uh, coming back and winning ball games, and, and they know how to do it. You know, they're World Series champions. They, they have a lot of guys who have done it for a long time. So I think the Giants really still have to play good baseball because it is really going to be a dogfight down the stretch. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Dodgers are pushing the Giants all the way through. And how about this? That – stretch there with the two games uh, with the home runs by Wade and Solano, those back-to-back pinch-hit homers. First time in Major League Baseball history that a team hits pinch-hit homers in the eighth inning or later to erase a deficit and take a lead in back-to-back games. I mean, that's never happened. You wondered when you were watching it, has this ever happened before? It's never happened. So this team is breaking new ground. They're breaking new ground, and they really, they really have a knack for those uh, pinch hit home runs. I think they lead the, the major leagues in pinch hit home runs by by a few now. I don't they even do. think it's that, yeah. that close anymore. Um, but it's great to see these guys that you, I don't want to say wouldn't typically see stepping up, uh, but tip, you know, you, a, a guy like Buster Posey or Longo or Chris Bryant, those are the guys who, in those pressure situations, you expect to do that stuff. But you know, you have Lamont, Lamont, or excuse me, Lamont Wade doing it. You have uh, Solano coming in clutch. These guys are. Um, you know, they're really giving credit to these, this new approach that everyone seems to be buying into, uh, that the, uh, that the Giants coaching and hitting staff, uh, is teaching these guys, which is just hitting that, that good pitch in the zone, looking, looking for something that you can drive. And they've all bought into it. I think every time we talk to these guys on the post game interviews, when I'm in studio, they're all buying in and giving credit to this new approach that they're teaching and, and, uh, I think that's been a huge, huge reason for the success uh, this season for the hitters. I mean, it really is amazing. I mean, you think about a guy like Wade, who didn't come in with a reputation of having a lot of power, but, I mean, he gets up there and he is a real threat to go deep every time he swings the bat. And I never thought, George, that the Giants would be a team that would lead the majors in homers as they are with 187 because of the ballpark. But like you said, the approach, the launch angle, everything's working. 
everything is working. And I think, you know, 18th or excuse me, Oracle Park, I think that's a hard habit to break for me. But, <laughs> me um, you know, I think that, that that ballpark is really not conducive to hitting a lot of homers, regardless of what the wind's doing, this and that. I mean, I played there for a lot of baseball games and you did not see balls flying out the way that they have been the last couple seasons. Um, I think a lot of that is the guys hitting the ball a little bit more on the uh, on the barrel and the launch angle, like you mentioned. Uh, I also think the balls are a little bit different. That's something that I, you know, not to take away from any of the guys because uh, they're hitting the ball hard and in places that uh, the fielders aren't. But I think definitely with the with the home runs around baseball increasing, I think that plays into it a little bit. Um, but even even still, hitting home runs at that ballpark at the rate that they're doing it is pretty impressive. One of the takeaways from the A's series was Sergio Romo being on the mound against the Giants. Uh, also, uh, Yusmero Petit. But, but Romo and his battles with Buster Posey, those were pretty interesting to watch. I mean, Posey gets a base hit against him, and he, Romo kind of waves him off. And then it was Romo who froze Posey on this great slider and just struck him out looking. Those were pretty fun. Uh, what, what was it like for you watching your former teammates go out it there? Oh, geez. It, 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 whenever I see somebody who I was a teammate with, in those great years that I was a giant, it, it always looked weird seeing them in a different uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ryan Vogelsong in a pirate uniform, um, you know, obviously Sergio Romo, Petit, some of these guys who, who go on to put different uniforms on, it just doesn't look right to me because we have such great memories of doing such special things in the Giants uniform and, and in that city. So um, it's all fun. I remember when I was a, a member of the Pirates and the, the Giants came to, to Pittsburgh to play, First batter I faced was Brandon Crawford, and it was just I had to do everything uh, to help myself, keep myself from laughing when he stepped in the box. So, you know, you're, you're in between the white lines. You're obviously going out trying to get everybody out, but you can't help but crack a smile when you're facing some of those guys. If you're the one who succeeds, I mean, do you text that guy and rub it in? <laughs> How do you handle that? Because, I, I mean, I guess it depends on the personality. Oh, well, I ended up hitting Brandon Crawford with a cutter in his back foot on the toe. And he didn't move it. And I texted him after the game. I was like, dude, get your foot out of the way so we can at least have a good at-bat. And he goes, you seriously hit me in the toe with a back foot cutter. Like, what the heck? Uh, so we had a good back and forth. And, and when they were – I walked over to the hotel and, and got to hang out with uh, with Craw and Buster and Belt. And, and Javi was doing the game um, in, in place of Krupp that night. So I got to see all the guys um, my first time pitching against the Giants. So that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, other than – other than uh, being on the field, it was kind of like nothing much just had changed, you know. So it, it, mm. it's fun. And just back to the point, seeing, seeing some of these guys in different uniforms, and especially Sergio Romo, a guy who is such an integral part of all three rings, um, you know, it, it's different. And I think in the box, guys, uh, guys are trying to get hits, and Sergio's trying to get them out. But other than that, I think it's all, it's all a, a good bit of fun. For a couple of months now, I think a lot of people in the media are asking the question, how are the Giants doing this? You know, why do they have the best record in Major League Baseball with the roster that they have? And I thought Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle did a great job in her story that she just wrote about team chemistry. And, you know, we, we talk about that a lot. That's always brought up, and you wonder if it's overrated. And there was actually a really good book written recently by Joan Ryan called Intangibles that I encourage everybody to read. I don't know. Chemistry, is it is it the best, uh, you know, judge of whether a team is – doing well or not. Brand Belt said it's probably the best clubhouse he's been in as far as getting along and being unselfish. So how do you evaluate that? I think team chemistry, you know, is, is the most important thing that you can have 
uh, on a team. Just having guys that mesh well. You know, the, the, the teams that I was on, 12, 14, and even the ones in between where we didn't do quite as well um, in, in those seasons, we had guys who genuinely liked each other. There were no, like, little cliques. There weren't guys hanging out with guys. You could get into, into a different city and, you know, whoever was around, let's go grab, a, you know, a bite to eat or have dinner or whatnot. And everybody was friends. Everybody got along. And I think that that is what makes a team – you know, as resilient and, and, and be as good um, as the Giants have been in the past with my teams and are currently uh, now with these guys. I think that um, putting the ego aside, having a bunch of guys who, you know, all they want to do is care about winning. You know, one guy picks up the next guy, and I think that's what you see. And um, just because you're not the best team on paper does not mean that you can't go out and, and do everything right, which I think is what they've done. They've had great starting pitching. They've had great defense. They've had Obviously, they're hitting home runs, but they've had some timely hitting, and they're able to score some runs um, um, on the offensive side. So I think when you put all that together, it really has a, is a recipe for success and a winning model. Well, it's interesting, too, because Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager, said that he's changed his mind about team chemistry. He used to think that as you won games, that led to good team chemistry, but he doesn't think that way anymore. I mean, did you always think this way, George? Well, I, I didn't really know what, what it was like because not, you know, I, I had a very small sample size with, with the Yankees, obviously, uh, when I was there. And you had a bunch of superstars on paper. And not saying that the team chemistry was not good there. That is not at all what I mean. But then you come to San Francisco, and it was my first year, my rookie year, and we had such a great time. We were playing. Things were rolling our way. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning a World Series. So that was my first kind of team chemistry moment was in 2012 when obviously things – you know, the stars aligned and we were able to do what we, what we did. Um, so I think guys walking into the clubhouse and getting along and not having egos or, or, or guys looking across the, uh, the locker room and thinking, oh, that guy's about himself. There was nothing like that in, in any of our Giants' teams, uh, which was fantastic. And it makes everybody kind of fit in where they fit in amongst everybody. And it's just, you know, it makes it a lot easier to go out every day and play good solid baseball with guys that you genuinely like you know I think that's the the main key right there is that it makes it easier because I think there were teams you know in the history of baseball especially when you think about the Yankees teams if anybody ever saw that uh, show the Bronx is burning that that special that came out about how there were Yankees teams in the 70s that didn't get along at all I mean they're brawling with each other you know the manager Billy Martin is kind of inciting stuff with Reggie Jackson but it it wasn't easy they won but it just wasn't as easy as it would be when you get along with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, when, when you when you put enough talent in 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 one, you know, on one roster, eventually, you would imagine that things will will pan out. And I think what team chemistry does, and having a very good uh, relationship and camaraderie in the club in the clubhouse, is it makes it not necessary to have all the top talent because guys mesh well as a cohesive unit. And I think when guys do that, you can achieve the same results, if not better ones, than everybody kind of trying to fill holes on their own, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, don't you think it's also super important on a team like this, with a manager like this, who is pulling off all these pinch hitting moves? Because we've talked about how players have bought into it, because that, that really could have created a lot, of, a lot of friction when you're in the starting lineup and you're swinging the bat well, and then you get pinched hit for. But these guys are rooting for each other. I mean, we see Wade pinch hit and get the home run and then he gets pinched hit four and then you know damage is done 
Yeah, that, and that's one of those things. And the next man up, whoever comes in, it d- tries to do their job, and nobody gets upset or, or uh, you know, their feelings hurt that they were pinch hit for because they bought into this system that uh, that the staff and Farhan has set up now. So I think when, when moves are made, guys understand that it's for the benefit of the team and the roster in that given moment. And sometimes it works out, which we love to see, and it has recently. And sometimes it doesn't. But either way, everyone's buying into it, which is the most important part. We'll have more with former Giants pitcher George Contos right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 453 2942. That's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. You wonder what's going on in that New York Mets clubhouse right now. The Giants about to take on the Mets for three important games. Uh, they just finished with the Mets last week, but the Mets went from being up in the division, you know, fairly comfortable, whatever it was, four or five game lead. Now they're six and a half games out. It's almost like, what happened? All of a sudden, they just couldn't win games. And, you know, the Braves are winning, the Phillies are winning, and, and it's just knocking them back. It's got to be hard to be in that situation in that clubhouse. Well, I'm sure it is. You know, nobody likes to be in first place and then have, have one of those skids and, and you find yourself six and a half games out. That's just, you know, and then, and then your, your owner kind of calling the guys out in, in the media. It's a little bit George Steinbrenner-esque. Um, <laughs> let's go. But you know what? That, that, that can definitely fuel some guys and think, hey, we got to get our heads uh, in the right place now. And I think the Giants' next 12 games are going to be a huge gauntlet and it will definitely be a test of how good this team really is. I know that they've been in first place for north of 80 days. They've been the best team in baseball for a long time. This is going to be a huge test now to end, end uh, August into September with this gauntlet of games when you're facing the, uh, the Mets, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Los Angeles. I mean, you have got these teams coming up that are all hungry and are all looking to get to the postseason. So I think it will definitely be telling. And if they can get through this and, and play good baseball like they have been, I think we definitely are looking at the uh, the favorites to win the World Series, in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're right. This stretch is super important. And you look at the Mets. They get Javier Baez back just in time uh, to win that game Sunday against the Dodgers. Had a good game. And now Francisco Lindor is coming back as well. Those two guys are really good childhood friends. Now they form the double play combination that is really going to be interesting to watch for the Mets. Not only are they childhood friends, but those are two of the, some of the most exciting baseball guys to watch in the game the last four or five years. I mean, I played with Lindor uh, briefly when I was an Indian, and that man's baseball IQ uh, is off the charts. He just he, he knows how to play. He knows where he's got to be. He knows where the ball needs to go. And he's a threat at, at the plate in a, in a big way. And obviously Javier Baez is a little bit more flashy, but – that guy's baseball IQ is incredible as well, and he can make some plays that leave, that leaves you kind of scratching your head, being like, how did he just do that? So I think those guys up the middle there, they definitely are going to provide a spark for the Mets. But I think the Giants still need to go in there and continue doing what they've been doing and just playing solid baseball. And they're, in my opinion, a obviously better team than the Mets are. So they should go in and do, do their job and hopefully come out with a series victory. I want to talk about the rotation here to finish up. you got Sammy Long, 
who's coming back to start this game on Tuesday. Uh, Johnny Cueto Wednesday, Alex Wood Thursday. There's concern right now because Anthony Disclafani, you know, his ankle has been bothering him, so he went on the IL, and hopefully that doesn't set him back too much. And Kevin Gossman, I mean, he's been really kind of fighting through, and as he said, uh, he's not getting that extra little bite towards the end on his splitter. Uh, so th- how unpredictable do you think that that is for him? He could count on it so much the first half of the season. Well, I, I think, you know, we got spoiled uh, as fans watching with how good Kevin Gossman was the first half of the season. It was almost expected that every five days when he took them out and told the rubber it was going to be six, seven, eight innings of one or no run ball. Um, and I think he's put that expectation in all of our heads now. And, you know, pitching is, is being a starting pitcher throughout the course of a major league season and going out and do what he's done overall is really impressive. He still had a great year. I do think that the, uh, the, a little bit of the inconsistency, I wouldn't say it's something to worry about. It's something that everybody goes through. And he's, he's been very open in his, in his post-game conferences and uh, in his interviews when he's talking to people saying that I'm just a little bit off. And that's, uh, it's a feel thing. And when, when you click and you remember that feeling, he can hop right back on the, uh, on the wagon and, and, and roll off five, six, seven really good starts towards the end of this season now. And I think that's what they need. They need to get him back to that, that feeling good, not thinking about it, just going up there, seeing signs and throwing the baseball. Uh, because when, when you're pitching that way and, and turning the brain off and just letting the muscle memory and experience from past starts kick over, that's when you're at your best, when you're just seeing and going and you're almost on cruise control. And it looks like he's just been fighting through a little bit of release point, mechanics, timing, and that's something that everybody goes through. We just hope that he can get up there and, and uh, on the mound uh, during the games now and, and kind of get get himself back to where he was because they're going to need him down the stretch, obviously, as the guy who's been leading this pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, it has to be frustrating when you're out there, George, and it's such a struggle, even if you're getting decent results, but you're throwing so many pitches and you can't go deep into the game the way you would like to, and then all of a sudden, you know, the bullpen is getting used up. I mean, you're feeling a lot of that on your shoulders, I would think. You know, I, I to be honest, I think what he's doing, you obviously feel bad for it in the moment. In the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, though, I think what he's trying to do is go out there and just get back to that guy who he was that we were talking about in the, in the first half. You know, I think when you're thinking about it, when, when, you're, when you're pitching a little bit, I want to say, under stress, everything tightens up a little bit. You're not as loose. You're not as free and easy. Things aren't thrown with – their pitches aren't thrown with the same conviction – and that's the biggest thing is when you're feeling really good and Kevin Gaussman earlier in the year, he was just seeing the signs and going and cutting it loose. And I think now what he's doing is he's trying to find it a little bit. And when you think about it, every, everything is just a little bit different. That split, like you said, does not have the same bottom out to it. That fastball doesn't have the same life to it. It may read the same or similar on the radar gun, um, but the guys in the box, I would imagine, would tell you, that a pitch that he throws that's thrown with full conviction versus something that he doesn't maybe feel right, timing's a little bit off. It could say 96 on the, on the scoreboard or on the, on the radar gun, but it, it looks a little bit different, and I think that's what he's going through right now. Meanwhile, Logan Webb, over the last month, I saw this stat that he's got a 1.69 ERA, and the rest of the starters are at 4.93. So he is the dependable starter right now. And other than the fact that he's throwing strikes most of the time, it seems to me, what else do you see in Webb that's made him successful lately? I just see a guy who's really 
found found the confidence and and now is trusting his ability and knowing that his stuff is really good. I think since May 11th, he's he's the leader in Major League Baseball in ERA, um, and that is a huge huge statement uh, to make when you're talking about a guy who last year we were wondering if he was going to really be a starter, if he was going to maybe go to the pen. Um, but I think what he's done is he's really gotten able to he's really been able to get a consistent delivery and he's been able to throw strikes. And with him getting ahead of hitters was the was the one thing that I would have liked to see out of him because it allows him to pitch a lot more free and easy and not having to come into the zone and it puts the pressure on the hitter because his stuff is really good. He's got that ninety two to ninety five, ninety six mile an hour two seamer. Then he's got that really good changeup off of it, and in my opinion, that fastball changeup combination in general is the best um, combo in baseball because they both look the same coming out of your hand, and there's a eight to ten mile an hour difference of a pitch that looks exactly the same. And then he's got that slider that he's been able to kind of throw that has that little bit of Romo frisbee. Then he has one that can change planes and has some depth as well. So I think the fact that he's been able to throw all of them for strikes and be able to throw strikes early and get ahead in the count has made the, the ultimate difference for Logan Webb. It's so hard, especially for right-handed hitters, to make good contact when a two-seam fastball is doing its thing, it seems to me. I mean, you know, a guy who can throw that hard with a two-seamer that goes down and into a right-handed batter, I mean, what a weapon. Well, you, well you, what you said there is, is the down and in part. You know, the two-seam is only effective when it's, when it's placed in the right spot to start. So if he's throwing that pitch middle-middle and it breaks to middle-in or, or down-and-in, that pitch can get hit really hard. However, when he's starting that, a third on, a, on, a, on the plate and then it's breaking to off the plate at 94-95, that's when you have the, the really effective uh, broken bats, ground balls to shortstop and third base, or from a lefty, those weak ground balls to shortstop and second base. It's, it's all where he starts it, and he's been able to really figure out how much it's going to move and throw that pitch to the corners and thirds as opposed to having to come over the middle of the plate because he's fallen behind the count. That, that for me, has been the biggest uh, improvement that Logan Webb has made. All right, last thing here, George. When you go to New York as a visiting player, how much fun is it or is it hard to have fun because, you know, New York stays up all night and you can't do that if you're trying to be a good player the next day on the field? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not that you're going out all night, but there were a couple times during my, my uh, tenure with the Giants in those six years where we spent a full week in New York. I was in the same hotel room playing the Mets with an off day, then playing the Yankees or vice versa. And it really is the city that doesn't sleep. You, you finish the game, then you might go grab a bite to eat, and it's, you know, midnight or 1230. By the time you get back to your room, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning because it's, it, there's just energy around the, around the, the city. You don't even want to sleep. And it's not that guys are going out and doing things they shouldn't be doing. It's just it's hard to sleep when you're looking out the window and there's lights and there's sounds and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're like, what is going on here? Why aren't these people in bed? Um, <laughs> so it's definitely an experience going and playing in New York, but it's a lot of fun. It's definitely very energizing. All right, well, it should be a good series. And like you said, I mean, this is the gauntlet here, really important uh, part of the schedule. We'll talk in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll know a lot more, you would think. But hopefully it's just status quo for the San Francisco Giants. I, I totally agree with you. I hope, I hope our next time chatting, we're, we're saying how well this gauntlet of games has gone. And I expect <laughs> that to be the case as well. All right, George. Hey, thanks a lot, and uh, have a good day. All right, Joe. Thanks. That's former Giants relief pitcher George Contos. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin.
For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.